This episode is brought to you by Lipsyn. Planning to start a podcast? Look no further than Lipsyn. Lipsyn is one of the biggest feature-rich podcast hosting platforms in the world. Lipsyn is IAB certified, offers many hosting plans, and you can start for as low as $5 a month. Aspiring podcasters who listen to the show radio can get one month free by using the promo code TSR. Use promo code TSR at checkout to get one month free. What's up, guys? Welcome to another episode of the show radio. I'm your host, Andrew. And I'm Danny. And we're going to jump right into it. We're going to talk about Fast and Furious 9. Daniela, what is going on? We just watched the trailer. Thoughts? I don't like it. Okay. All right. So why why don't you like it? It's like it's sometimes it's okay to send off into the sunset certain series like you know, end while you're on top before people get sick of it. I'm sick of it. <laughs> I mean, don't end it just because of me, but at what point does this fast saga end? Because it was, it was. Cheesy. Why do you want, why does it have to end? Because <sighs> actors get old. True, but, <laughs> but new actors will, like the Rocky series, like we've seen, right? That's uh, changing hands, you know, with, you know, a new actor and stuff like that. So wouldn't you want to see that for it to yeah, continue? You know or? With the Rocky thing, I mean, they didn't make one Rocky every other year or every three years for the last, I don't know, when the original came out, like 30 years now, you know? They, they stopped at four, right? I, I don't, so now now we got to find out how many Rocky movies so, are. Carry on. But like, it's not like it continued on that whole time. Same thing with like, karate kid you know they kind of had a reboot on that one okay Maybe so there's there's evil, eight movies eight movies eight rocky, rocky movies, movies including creeds i guess that's the way it looks here yeah i didn't realize there were eight rocky movies okay so yeah so now so now you may have to adjust no, adjust your because obviously those rocky movies didn't do so good if i didn't even know that there were eight of them that's not fair but there is eight of them in a 30-year span. We've okay. had how many fast movies now in, what, 15, half the amount of time? Hmm. So Rocky franchise. Okay, so let's do some years, okay? Uh, 76, 79, 82, 85, 90, uh, 2006, 2015, 2018, 2022. See, there's a 16-year difference in between one of those. Mm. In the 90 and the 2006, there's a 16 year difference, but mm. you're starting from the 70s. Mm. Ugh, I can't even math right now. What that was over a course of 40 plus years. I mean, but the point is, there's eight of them, and there's what eight plus Fast and Furious movies now. What are they on? In half of that time, okay, easier to produce. Yeah, sure, because they got a lot of money because people are going to keep watching it. Right. It's ridiculous. I don't right. know what the story is anymore. <laughs> it's, it's okay. Like, okay. So um, I'm most likely going to watch it. A lot of action between the family stuff, the car stuff. But I, you love car stuff. I like realistic car stuff. <laughs> uh, I don't like this weird, let's attach a super magnet and rockets and whatnots to them and launch them off of cliffs to be caught by aircrafts okay 
No, that's Whatever. too much. Yeah, it's a okay. Lot all right. So, um, all right. So we'll leave that alone. Danielle's not excited about it, <laughs> but you, but you still watch it. Yes. No, I don't no. think I've watched. I don't think I've watched like the last two or three. Okay. Okay. I don't fair know. I think the last the last one I watched was possibly Tokyo Drift, and okay. that was a few of them ago. Yeah, that was a few of them ago. I don't yeah. know what number that was in. I my son will probably watch it, and I'll probably hear him watching it in his bedroom. But for me. Probably not. Maybe it'll be one of those days where I just need background noise. I don't care to pay attention to it. Sure, I'll throw it up. But <laughs> no. All right, so, not. so you have Mortal Kombat next week. You watching that? I think that's next week. What is that? Mortal Kombat. Yes, I am. You you kind of have to for that one. Kinda. Well, maybe. I mean, not everybody is you know they'll find something wrong with it but i think based oh, on what we've seen find something wrong with everything that's like i'm finding something wrong with the fast series i didn't want to do that but i'm glad you did it for me <laughs> so I mean, they're gonna find something wrong with it no matter what right and right more combat fans gamers uh, people who don't even know more combat they'll find something wrong with the series but like the the original run about it, I think it was so cool because, you know, growing up playing, I played more, more Mortal Kombat than I did Street Fighter, but I liked both movies. Um, it was just bringing this, you know, this video game to life that I thought was so cool and so funny. Um, it was it was cheesy in its own way, too. And. I know I'm just going to watch it because. I'm not I'm not expecting some like really great movie, but just why not? It looks good so far. Yeah, it does look so good so far. I'm just not going in there thinking like this is just gonna be mind blowing and uh, like awesome. I did that with Avatar the live action movie, and you know what? I regret it. <laughs> Probably with a lot a lot of other people. But okay. you know, it's just a part of my childhood that I I you can't help it. Yeah, I gotta watch it. It looks really, really good. I mean, besides, okay, so that the trailer for that that looks really fantastic. Now, one of the things that you said before we, you know, made sure we didn't have any additional technical difficulties is you mentioned that uh, the trailer for Fast Nine um, offered so much content in it that you felt like you're watching the whole movie. Yeah, already it it, it really did, and it has like it's. Three three minutes, what, 20 seconds, 23 seconds? Um, I, I really don't care for movies that do that. It, it's not even just Fat Nine. It's just like any movie that puts out a trailer that just so shows so much of it. I feel like I watched the entire movie already. I, okay, so this is the point I wanted to make. Do you think, um, I don't know if they had delayed it for anything. I think they had delayed it for something. Do you think they felt the need to do that because of the times that we're living in right now, as well as... The fact that they may have had to delay it, I think they did, right? I don't I think so because like... even even before this whole you know pandemic and before yeah. this entire lockdown, there are many trailers that did that, and I really really don't like it. Okay. I like okay. the teaser. I like the unknown. Like leave some mystery to it for me to want to go and watch it in the theater rather than showing me all the great action parts of it and almost the entire story. Okay. So um what else are you watching anything else? What else is on your your table right now? Um 
I'm just watching older stuff. So I, I'm going back and I'm rewatching the Arrowverse, which is the stuff that was on CW, all the DC stuff. And That's the same stuff on Netflix, right? Yeah, some of it is on the most of it is actually on Netflix. The little spinoffs um, like Vixen that was on the CW seed, which isn't on there anymore. And I like there's no place I can really find it, which makes me really, really sad. And apparently because they turned the Vixen into a animated movie, CW had to remove it. And now I can only buy the movie apparently through Google Play, which I think is really weird and bizarre. Um, but they're not canon to the show. It's just that eventually that those characters will be introduced into the show. Okay. Um, same like Constantine. Constantine, I it's not on it's not on Netflix. I think I have to buy that through Amazon, I think. But that's not exactly canon. It's just that John Constantine gets introduced into Arrow in the season four. And it gives like a backstory about, you know, who, who his character is, what type like where he plays in this entire universe. But I mean, I don't have to, but I kind of like watching it in order. It's just that I had to skip out on those because like, one, I'm not going to go and spend extra money on it. If it's not super canon, I guess I can let it go. Um, I know one of the characters from the Vixen does get introduced later on. I'm currently at the point in this series because I have an app that tells me exactly the order I need to watch it in. Um, so I'm using that to keep track of where I'm at. And I think I'm on season four of Arrow, season two of The Flash. And I know at some point in a couple episodes, I have to start watching Supergirl. Right. So, but it, it's been interesting. Legends of Tomorrow, you're adding that in as well? Yeah, that's later on though. That's I still have a couple more seasons of the other two before I get to the Legends of Tomorrow, but that's all in there. And there are about 610 episodes that are available right now. Whew. Yeah. Legends, yeah, Legends of Tomorrow, I'll probably hit before the end of this week. Yeah, because it gets introduced in about, or plays a factor in about, I don't know, what is this? Almost 30 episodes right now. 30 episodes combined between Flash, Arrow, and Supergirl. Mm. Yeah. It's a lot of content. I don't know why. I just, I just been wanting to watch superheroes lately and... Same. I never, I never really got into. Well, I did for a little while. I was watching it in order, and as they came out live when they originally aired, but it, it's really hard when you have a busy life. So I'm just kind of like, you know what? I'm just let it build up, and apparently, I let it build up to 600 plus episodes. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> that gives a, me plenty of time to kill. There's a lot. Um, Falcon on, on your radar at some point eventually i don't know it's just that one i know that it's my good boyfriend, my boyfriend wants to watch it but then aligning our times to watch things together is really difficult because i think we can like maybe a couple days of the week so we kind of have other shows that we're watching too that filling in so the only one that's we're watching that is actually live and current is the mass singer that I've introduced him to Doctor Who. And so now he wants to watch WandaVision and um, Mandalorian and Winter Soldier Falcon. It's a lot of shows that we want to watch. A lot of shows. But I get maybe one, maybe two days or two nights, really, where we can watch like an episode. Well, Falcon has one more and it's over. Episode six. And that's it for the season. 
six episodes? Yep. That's it? For the season, yep. That's a short season. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Like, you can knock that out pretty fast. Yeah, not if we're like, that's still going to be, even if we have like one day that we, one day a week that we can watch only one episode. That's pretty much which, which show do we want to watch as a priority there? Right. Not it's a lot. So, um, Invincible on Prime, I'm watching that. So I'm on episode six, the cartoon. That's amazing. I'm told it, that's really good too. It's, it's amazing. Uh, and, um, I think that's it. I think that's it right now for shows. I think, I think that's it right now for shows. All right. So let's do, um, Resident Evil 8, Resident Evil 8, uh, village demo. Um, let's, uh, knock that out. How, how did that go? Um, so I did watch the showcase. I, well, I watched the showcase for Resident Evil specifically. Um, and man, I, you know what like really confuses me and, and what the decision was? I would love to know what the decision was where they have these multiple different play dates that you can play these demos that are super timed. That is that's hard for people. So the first the first one that they have available is for the village, which is only available for an eight hour window. And it is exactly 30 minutes that you can play. It's not exactly it's. I, I took it as like, okay, so they're going to give you 30 minutes of gameplay for like what you would do on an average, just straight playthrough. But it's actually literally just 30 minutes. So if you're the type of person like me who like wants to explore, check out the settings, yeah, don't do that. Just don't. <laughs> just if you, if you got, if you, oh, well, I guess you can't play it now because it was only live during those eight hours, which. It took me a while to download because I feel like a lot of people were trying to do the same exact thing to get into this window to play this 30 minutes. Um, but what I did play, I, I liked it. It was very beautiful. I played it on my PS5 and it it looked awesome. It looked great. It looked scary. Great. It looked finished. Um, not necessarily scary. There are some thrilling parts, I guess, where it made you a little bit nervous, but not scared. So you're, you're like uh, the first ones that you got to come across are the lichens, the werewolf like people and like the audio to it was like so throwing me off because, you know, I was listening um, on my Astros, of course, but like just to hear like these growlings and snarlings and it feels so much closer. And I was like, there's a lot of times where I just would quickly spin around and like it wasn't there and then it would show up somewhere like you hear it somewhere else. Because you're you're walking through these like tall cornfield grass thing that's kind of dead, so it makes your vision even harder to uh, to see them. But um, there it wasn't like too too much action. I think there were three three lichens I came across. Um, one of them I kind of cheesed because he was doing the same animation. I don't know if that was intentional or not. But uh, my biggest takeaway from this is that Ethan Winters, who you're playing as, is a lot more, I guess, verbal and animated. So when you play as Ethan Winters in Seven, he doesn't say a whole lot. He doesn't really talk. Like when you're you're basically Ethan by proxy to give you some type, like give the player a, a body. He didn't really have a personality. He didn't have really 
like, you know, typical reaction a person would have. So what I thought was really cool about this demo is that he had this personality. There's a couple of instances where, you know, uh, he's by himself, but he's like talking out loud more. His reactions to things are a little bit more animated, even though it's first person, just the way that his hands moved, what he said. Um, it, it gave him more of this being able to relate to him a little bit better just because of that, even though it's just verbal cues from him, mostly. Uh, there, there was a part where he actually, in this demo, because in the Maiden one, you couldn't attack anything. You couldn't, you didn't really have an inventory of any weapons. So you start off with um, a handgun and a knife. You later pick up a shotgun. Um, you pick up a mine, which I forgot. Like I had the mine, but I forgot to actually use it. Um, I wish I could have. Uh, but I, I watched a couple of people's others play through theirs. And like what I thought was kind of weird was when they use the mine. So you can like throw it in front of yourself as this lichen is charging you. And you can be within the blast radius of this, but he didn't do any damage. And I don't know if that's intentional or not. He has like a, he's like slightly like, I guess, I guess stunned, but not really. So I thought that was a little bit weird. Um, I feel like if you're within a blast radius of any mine, you should take some damage. Um, just, just to put that out there. Um, there's more to do. So there's a shack that you first come across when you, when you, come across the lichens where you can actually you know use flour to to kind of barricade yourself in this in this building and move the shelf over to block up the door so the lichens can't get in and that's where I, I was kind of cheesing this one there's this lichen that came to one of the um one of the walls that had a hole in it but it had some you know loose boards that were placed in it to prevent them from coming in and he kept doing the same animation to jump on and try to rip off the board and get in so each time I was just like loading bullets into him, but he he kind of was like a little bit of a bullet sponge because all my shots were headshots. And then I started doing chest shots. I'm like, how many headshots do you take? I think I, I unloaded seven or eight bullets into him. I'm like, this is a bit much. The shotgun, the um, I used my shotgun. Um, I think on the second like, and I came across, and even that that was two headshots. And I had to do one to the chest that completely laid him out. And I thought that was like that's a little bit much, especially with a shotgun so close and to your head. But it's a video game, so they don't have to be that super realistic. Um, you came across people who were living in the village. You're trying to help them out. It was it was interesting. It was interesting to come across them and him help him. But I think that's what like that entire interaction there is when it really dawned on me that he kind of had a little bit more of a personality and was more verbal than he was in seven. That's when it really, really like dawned on me because he's watching these people at one point die. And he's like, I can't believe this is happening again. Like he, how did he get into this situation? But really what started off him exploring is that he comes across this, um, this old lady that's who you meet at the very beginning. That's talking to him about what's going on and the castle and then he she mentions his daughter Rose, so he's kind of sort of like, "What do you know about Rose? Where is she?" And he's going off and looking for it. Um, I did do some exploring, and here's the thing: it, I think I was at the very last puzzle, where you know it's the typical Resident Evil. You find the emblems, you put them into the door to unlock it. He has a little puzzle in there to you know rotate it to match it up and align it. The game cut off right there. I didn't even get to open the door. 
I was so bummed. It's like, thank you. Here's your 30 minute demo. I'm like, are you serious? I can't even go back. It wouldn't, it wouldn't let me. I, I couldn't save. I couldn't, I can revisit it. I, I think I have to sign in or create another account to be able to do it. I'm like, I am so bummed. This is what happens when I just want to go and check out the surrounding and see how cool it is and see what I can do. There's a couple things that I didn't get to or find the pieces for. So I was a little bit bummed about it. Um, but So the timing is only minutes. It's not days. So you have 30 minutes to play. And as soon as you start, a 30 minute countdown goes. Yep. Wow. Exactly. It's not days. It's just 30 minutes within that eight hour period. And it tells you you need to have Internet connection while you're playing it. That's crazy. So that that sucked. I, I didn't even get to finish it. The second thing that I am really, really bummed about that I really pushed myself because I knew that I had like 30 minutes and a certain window of it is I don't think I can personally play Resident Evil 8. Because like I told you before, a lot of first person games I cannot play. Um, I suffer from motion sickness that leads into seizures. I actually got really incredibly sick playing. So mm. um, after I played... um my dinner before uh, revisited me and then I was laid out for the rest of the day. <laughs> wow. So, um, yeah, I was very dizzy. I was very nauseous. I was, it was incredibly weak. So that was just 30 minutes of, of, of gameplay. So I'm very, can you, very can you control that? Like if you, if you go Medication? further away, no, yeah. like it doesn't, it helps, it helps with the symptoms I have, but it doesn't prevent it and it doesn't stop it. Even if you're further away from the screen, yeah, it it doesn't it doesn't matter. It doesn't, it doesn't matter of the screen. After okay. a while, I start to have like this really, um, and it, it it lasts past the time I've been playing. But as I play and I continue to play, and then after until I feel better, uh, my vision gets incredibly blurred. Where basically. It's kind of like having um you ever you ever had an ocular headache? No. So the center of my vision is clear, but everything around it is like this weird tunnel vision. It's like as if if you were the flash and you were running and having all these things zoom by in that blur. Yeah. It's like that. Everything around the center, the center is clear. Right. But everything else around it. When you say the center is clear, the center is normal? Yeah. Like okay. I can see that part, but it's not like a wide part. It's kind of just like this tunnel vision that I kind of have, but it's like physically there. Kind of like and the I, James Bond thing before the guy shoots or, but that the other around it is blurry. Yeah. Okay. Not even just like a slight, you know, distance blur. It's just like, like that's the best I can explain it. It's like if you're a flash and everything is just kind of like this so spread. So now do you experience the same thing if you use like blue light covered glasses or anything like that or Yeah. And I have that setting on my screen too. So it wow. doesn't yeah, it, it doesn't matter. It's just it's just hit and miss on games and it sucked because I can I played Resident Evil 7 fine. Right. I couldn't play it in VR. I tried it in VR. That was a terrible idea. Um, so what about like driving games and flying games? Can you do those? Those are fine. And I do that in first person. 
That's interesting. But it's not just, it's not even just that. Like I can't, there's even games where certain light flashings I can't play. Dead Space, I, I can't play that series at all. Um, There's another horror series that I can't play because it has a lot of light flashings. I can't remember what it's called, but yeah, I, I just can't. Mm. So I'm very sad to say that after like it was funny because I've watched the trailers for Resident Evil 8. I'm fine. Um, I watched the gameplay trailers. I was fine, but I played it myself. Nope. So you <laughs> so can that, watch a full playthrough of it. Then. No, I can't probably watch a full playthrough. Okay. And yeah, so that's that's the one downside for me. And then if they're going to continue making Resident Evil movies further down on, not the remakes, not like the remakes, like they have two, three, and I think four, they're remaking that. Uh, but like continue on the series seven, eight, nine, whatever it may be. Yeah. Um, in first person, I probably will not be able to play it, which is, which really, really breaks my heart. So. Okay. Um, but you know, watching the showcase, like they they're reintroducing mercenaries, which is cool, especially for those speedrunners, for those people who like to really challenge themselves for things. Um, there was something in there that you could do during the demo, so you can craft your own ammo. Um, and I did that. I think I only did that once because you find some rusted parts to make that available. Of course, you can craft, you know, um, little med kits or aids the plants and whatnot the chems so that was that was pretty normal the inventory list how you kind of have to play tetris with it that's still in there but ah, i i really dug it yeah it did make me sick but you know i did enjoy it still um on a personal level of just the game itself I thought it was fantastic, but I i think it's so weird how they have like these very specific windows <laughs> right like here's here's this day eight hours within this day sorry if you have a life and you have to work or are there any other obligations that you have you can play it there and then you have 30 minutes available to you so you better make sure that you don't have to leave that area for at least 30 minutes um that that i think that's so that's so weird and so i don't know unfriendly (laughs) Yeah, the quality of life thing is not there. Maybe there's a reason that they're doing it that way uh, in spurts. But um, most of their games that they've come out with when they've reimagined the Resident Evil 1, 2, 3s, um, they did demos for those, right? Yeah, I don't remember if they had timed ones, though. I mean, most games have a demo available of their games. Right. But no, like, certain time frame that you have to play it in. Like, okay, they do have a time frame, but normally their time frames is like, oh, you have a week, you have two weeks. Oh, you have it for like two months before this game actually comes out. And you only like, this one is, you only got this time period. Yeah, so um, I'm having I'm having other questions about this than I didn't think I was going to have. So do you think the quality assurance uh, procedures for Resident Evil from the time that they announce a game to the trailers, to the demos, to... Uh, the release of the game has been good. Let's say for the last Resident Evil 1, 2, and 3s. Would you say those games were great launches for the reimagining of the series? I would say they were. Okay. I think they did Sweet. great. And I, I didn't have any problems with it. I think they, they did it. No gaming issues, no glitches, no, no stuck on a wall, no anything like that? No. Okay. That's that, no, that's, that's dope, actually. 
it is for me personally i don't think i've have i've have a problem with the way that they're marketing it where where they release certain content or where they did their announcements i think it was really great timing that they did on theirs um especially so close and leading up to you know their release that's going to be happening soon um i think games like cyberpunk and you know dying light could take a you notes from that <laughs> right so do you think so let's just I, I guess this i don't know why i want to talk about this um so 30 minutes uh one time do you think that um allures the uh creators to create um you know content for that in such a short amount of time so it's it's more maximized in a short amount of window maybe a fomo thing there so you have the 30 minutes if you want to capture anything this is all the time that you have so if you miss that window then you won't have that footage and those who are super uh, rabid fans of the um the franchise are are pretty much forced to grab that content you know at that available time so that fomo maybe um I, yeah definitely i don't know if this is necessarily aimed towards content creators itself but to definitely give that that feeling of that fear of missing out the fomo um to people in general yeah definitely just like you're either here or you're not like, and you don't want to miss out on this. So you want to center whatever it is that you have planned for these days that they have announced to make sure you're available to be able to do it. So yeah, 100%. Um, they want to bring that feeling up in people. Now, as far as content creators, there's some that really strive off of that and do really well on those tight windows. And that like you, you're, you're there and they they capitalize on it really, really quick. But that's such a small percentage of content creators, period. Um, other content creators, that is stressful. That is super stressful because either they don't have that system in place to be able to do that or that pressure that's put on them that forces them to do that. Like that's, if you got a system for it, yeah, sure, jump on it. But I don't think that's for everybody. Like, don't ever feel pressured. If you come out with your impressions, your reactions, or anything like that after the fact, that's fine. <laughs> it's okay. That's interesting. All right. All right. Any other thoughts on that? Um, I hope people did or did get to try it out. And if you did, I would love to know what you guys thought. You can leave it in the comments below or hit us up on Twitter. I'd just love to know what you thought about it. Managing your income stream should not be a hassle. That's why I use Catch Financial. As an independent, Catch allows you to manage your income streams on autopilot, prepare your taxes, and more. To get set up on Catch, visit andrew-alliance.com forward slash tools. Once again, that's andrew-alliance.com forward slash tools. That's awesome. All right, sweet. Uh, so Resident Evil 8 Village demo. That was uh, the takes on that. Official Twitter spaces, Twitter hey, spaces wait, in there general. There is one more thing. There is sure. one more thing. There is Go one ahead. more thing. So um, Resident Evil 4 in VR. That one, that one I want to know because, okay, so what what I'm gathering is that Resident Evil 4, they're partnering with um, Facebook, who owns Oculus, that um, it's going to be an Oculus exclusive or really a Quest 2 exclusive. That one, I don't know how I feel about. 
Am I stoked that they're kind of reintroducing and reimagining Resident Evil 4 in a first person perspective where you you're in there, you're going through all of this and it's in VR. I think that's cool. But if it's going to be this exclusive, I hope it's a timed exclusive. I hope they open it up to a wider audience and it's going to be available to everybody. Like kind of like kind of you kind of want that. I feel like they shouldn't be holding it to themselves. <laughs> I can understand for the time thing. Well, they want um, you to they, buy their stuff, right? Yeah, essentially. Of course they do. Of course they yeah. do. And that's that's like the whole thing. I understand having exclusive to certain platforms. Um, but I never like it when it just stays on the platform. Even even when it's like Sony and they have that exclusive, I feel like, okay, maybe it might not be on Xbox, but it'd be great if it had a shorter time before it shows up on PC. If not, it shows up on PC at the same time it releases for Sony, you know, for PlayStation. Um, they have, the, I think they're going to have another showcase. I think, I believe that's on the 21st. Facebook's going to have this whole thing, Resident Evil 4 and VR. On the this month or next month? This month, so okay. April 21st. And um, they're going to definitely go more into it. It's going to be on their Facebook page and on Twitch. So that one, I'm kind of looking forward to to see what happens. Okay. All right. So um, dope, dope, dope. Okay. So uh, Twitter spaces, official uh, Twitter spaces panel. Uh, let's do initial thoughts on Twitter spaces. Have you jumped in to any of them at all? To listen to it. Yeah. To listen on to other people's um you know, I guess they're hosting. Um, a few of them have been um, Paris's because I don't, I don't know, I don't know how many people or how big of a pool that people have access to Twitter Spaces. Yeah. Uh, because I don't see as many pop up on my. I don't know when you say you access to listen to or to host. To host. Gotcha. Because like I don't really see too many people that I follow that show up, and I don't know what that what to call that feed bar at the top of my timeline. <laughs> I don't know. I, someone needs to tell me if there's an actual word for that. Yeah. But um, yeah, I don't see any. So the person that I see the most up there is, uh, is um, Paris's. So I've jumped into a few of his. He's hosted a, um, a couple and I listen in um, a couple of random ones that didn't really have like a purpose. It was just people just like trying it out. Uh, but I, th- I see the potential in it. Okay. I just, don't know if it just happens that not too many people are using the feature or have access to the feature. Okay. So now do you have it to host and do you have it to host right now? Yes, I do. Okay. Have you tried it? No, because I don't know what I want to talk about. I don't know. What am I going to do? What do you want to talk about? I have no clue. (laughs) And I want to be a little bit prepared for it. But yes, I do have access to it. So I can create and host my own room. Um, I kind of want the first time to be something, I guess, something cool, something worthwhile, I guess. Okay. Um, cause I, you know what it makes me really sad is that it's not available on desktop. So if you go to Twitter on your, on your desktop, you, you won't be able to see anybody hosting any spaces, which yeah. I think is a missed opportunity to at least be able to jump into one, maybe not host one. Okay. Well, they took the feedback. So who knows? They may bring it. Because I think part of the reason that they wanted to hold the panel that they did with, um, well, well, I'll get back to that because I don't want to miss anybody who was actually on the panel. But um, I don't think that they are leaving that out as an idea. But but carry on. Let me just pull up the names of those who made it to that panel. 
Yeah. So I listened to the one that you were on and I did like the, a lot of the suggestions and feedback that you guys were offering and, and giving because that they would make Twitter spaces. I, I think a very, very good and strong competitor, if not alternative to clubhouse. Yeah. So on that panel, you had uh, Aaron Simon, Godfrey, uh, Phoenix from the Phoenix podcast, Paris from Game Attack Radio, Godfrey from Game Attack Radio. Aaron, she does a lot of hosting, broadcasting stuff. Let me just um, see where she's on. Host, producer, esports, gaming, culture. Um, she's an ambassador for Puma, ex-set co-owner, and she does uh, hosting with Ven. Um, I was on there. Uh, Khalif from Spawn on Me, and I was moderated by Rishi Chadda, who is the head of gaming content partnerships at Twitter and Twitter Gaming. So those were the folks, and um, it was good times. You know, I was uh, definitely honored to be part of that panel. Um, it was great conversation. I mean, there's still some things that they're working out. You know, some kinks, but with any new thing, right? That, that that's going to happen. But I think so far being able to jump in and listen to this stuff has been really, really cool. Um, but yeah, um, your, your take on, on experiences thus far. Um, the only thing, and I feel like it's such a, a small, small pool of people. So I love listening in on, on to you guys, but I think, and, and it wasn't just, it wasn't just you. I think it's for the ones even like I jump in for like Paris is that I guess I'm so used to having that really great crisp podcast audio. Yeah. Which I don't know if you can even, without it being a hassle, recreate that really good clean audio for Twitter spaces. Only one way they can do that. I think. As I'm thinking about it right now, you tell me if I'm right or wrong on this. The same technology that uh, Discord is using to get the clarity that they're getting if uh, Twitter Spaces incorporates that, I think they wouldn't be um, in bad shape, right? So um, 64 kilobytes is okay. 96 is a little bit better. So they may get away somewhere between the 64 and the 96 kilobytes. I doubt that they'll make it 128 kilobytes uh, for the clarity itself, for the audio. Um, you know, that'll add a lot of pressure to their servers, depending on if they added new servers for for that stuff to handle the compression and all that on the fly. But um, what do you think about that? But it's not okay. It's not even just that at, at the bit rate of it. It's more of the my the opportunities are not opportunities. The available tools that you have to use on your mobile device. Because right now you can only jump onto Twitter Spaces to listen or to be a part of using your phone. So Correct. you're limited to either your internal mic on your phone your AirPods or your whatever headsets, you know, headsets you use. that you use. Right. Right. And they're not going to have the best mics on it. They're going to like, they're, they're not going to have the well, it best depends. Mic. Well, it also depends on how noisy of the area that you're going to be in. Because True. They're going to pick up everything. True. So that's, that's, that's like the one thing I think, um, I don't think there's really necessarily a way that Twitter spaces itself can fix that it's the user and whoever right. they have and whatever they set up like so whatever tools that they have within them if all you got is like your wired you know earbuds wherever they may come from and the mic that's on there is it bad can you hear it yeah but you also can hear everything else around you you can also hear them when it's like rubbing against their jacket or their shirt 
Um, this is true. If you're using even if you're using AirPods, they're not necessarily bad, but it's not it's not the best. Like that's what I mean. Like I'm so used to like being able to listen to podcasts, and they have like you know everybody has like their special mic setup they have, <laughs> um, and you're not going to get that same exact experience. Of course, there's there's alternatives. I mean, I mean even when we could go to events, which hopefully will be soon one day. Uh, you know, you and I have used our mobile devices, but we have, you know, um, Sarah, I can't even think. Ceremonic? Yeah, the ceremonic converters. Yeah. yeah. For the XLR so stuff. Yeah. You have those, you have those options. And I can see that if I knew, if, if I knew that I was going to be part of one, yeah, I'm going to use that entire setup there because I want to be the best sounding one in there. <laughs> Make Absolutely. Sure. Make sure that, you know, I got all my I's dotted, my T's crossed. So that it sounds great. And it's not even just for myself and for like, you know, that quality assurance that I like to offer. But it's also for listening purposes to be friendly to the people that are listening to you. Like you don't want those like incredibly high peaks, which you can't control from, you know, your AirPods or your normal like earbuds that you use. I've never tried that. I've never tried using the ceremonic to make a phone call. Would that even work? I believe it would because the ceremonies that we have also has that, the adapter. It's the, the converter box. Yeah. Yeah, the yeah, converter yeah, yeah. It also yeah. has an input for um, headsets. Right. You're right. I've never tried to do that with it. And I'm sure clubhouse has the same issue because you, you can't control what the users are using, you know, to talk on unless you're really super like you know that perfectionist that you just really want to have the best that you can offer yeah 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 that's like the biggest thing and um and and that's not even on twitter spaces itself right huh something to test out and try the next time you're on one yeah i might have to try that make sure the nine volt battery still has juice that Andrew ha- sounds great. So good. What is he using? What is, is he those using? Those your Beats by Dre? No, it is my Ceremonics and my Major Mike. My thirty dollar box, <laughs> right? Um, what do you think though? What do you think the flow of of the panel? Did you like it? I did. I liked it a lot. Um, I don't know. I'm kind of jealous. I don't know. I thought it was cool though. I thought it was really, really cool. So I'm glad that you well, host one that. so we could do one. What do you what are you about? what are you waiting for? Anything you want to talk about? You can reset the room at any point. You can say, okay, we're talking about games, or everybody wanna come up and have a discussion, ask questions. It just I mean, hold the room. All right, all right. So the next time that there is something that is like really no, we'll uh-uh. no, no, no. We'll take, we'll, well, like, okay. So, like, the showcase. We had the showcase, right? That the the Capcom showcase that came up. Like, we could have watched it immediately after. We can have like a, a we could have had a Twitter Spaces, right? True. To do instant first impressions on it and thoughts, and just host it right there. That's what we I'm. We could do a late saying. night session. We could do a late night session. I'm usually up. You know that. You're always trying to send me to bed. Well, I, I didn't even think about it. I thought about it right now. Like, that would be really cool to have. Yeah. Instead of waiting to our next episode, we can just have like these little quick take conversations. I don't think we should have like a whole list of conversations like our normal podcast. Was it have like that one topic to just like bring? No, you can, you can host a room. Okay. You can give it maybe two or three different topics and then do QA or, or AMA. Right. So that gives anybody who jumps in the room 
the opportunity to ask questions about pretty much anything, right? Well, I know, but I don't want to just just wing it like that. I want to really have it thought out. But I think that's a really good one to have still. No, I, I agree. I agree. I agree. So when are we doing that? I don't know. When's the next thing that's going to be really cool that comes up? <laughs> Probably next week. I'm sure there'll be topics and, and different things coming up next week. But we do have, like, just like I said, on the 21st, you have them talking about Resident Evil 4 and VR. We can try it then. And then we can try the whole ceremonic setup, too. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. I got to get a new 9-volt battery for, for mine because mine's been sitting in there since <laughs> since we last used it. That's weird. <laughs> that is weird. I need to double check that. Now, that was a dope panel. Um, but yeah, I'm looking forward to checking out some more. I think I jumped in. No, I not think. I, I jumped in into uh, Sarah's um, uh, Twitter spaces. Uh, she did it with a lady named Lucy, uh, Sarah from Astro. So she did oh, a burning. Yeah. yeah, she did a, a burning out panel. Um, so I jumped into that. That was the, I think the 17th. Because uh, I think I'm already in the 19th. So I think that was uh, the 17th. And uh, jumped in, you know, just kind of gave some some tips on how I kind of handled the burnout stuff and, you know, shared a couple of things and then just uh, hopped out. Um, so, yeah, I mean, the more I see them, the more I want to jump in. I like the, um, the, the fact that not everything is really predictable. I like things that are, are not predictable. So I, I'm, I'm forced to think about it in the moment. Right. And I think that sometimes too many, too many things that are planned. Planning is good. I'm not against that. But I think that I always try to leave room for gaps of of uh, things that are unpredictable in conversation. So it's still organic, uh, you know, to the feel, if you will. So. um, So, yeah. So I think that that'd be cool. At some point, uh, I would love to jump into uh, some more of those conversations, be a part of those conversations. If you do host them and you listen to the show, let me know and I'll, I'll jump in and, and, and rap a little bit. Um, yeah. What else you got on that? Um, no, I don't think, Oh, you know what I just thought of? So does it, it doesn't actually save any of the audio, right? Like you have to personally record it on your end. Right. So Godfrey uh, recorded audio, I hit him up, asked him permission to use it. So I made that episode 582. So if you hit the feed, the podcast feed, that audio is there for that uh, panel that we did. There's no way to record it right now unless you record it yourself. Oh, so you're you're there or you're not. Yeah. So, I mean, technically, I mean, I could record it because I have a Zoom recorder. So if I... I have to I have to plug in the Zoom recorder to my phone, so I could. There's ways to do it, but um, not natively. They're not easily to do. Yeah, they're not native right now, but uh, you can get it done if you really wanted to record it and make sure that there's no, you know, buzzing or anything like that, in, in the audio, um, you know, get those little boxes that remove the buzzing noises uh, from. I forgot what you call them right now, but. Um, there's ways to do it if you really want that conversation to be. Um, and I, there's other ideas that I want to do with that, you know, as it gets more uh, fleshed out uh, for, you know, questions and different things like that. It can get pretty, we can, we can get pretty creative with that stuff once they give us more tools on it. So I'm excited about that. 
You okay? So you would have been great if Twitter Spaces and Clubhouse came out last year. Because I feel like, um, well, Club- Clubhouse was kind of out last year, but it was like the later part of the year. Because I think definitely Zoom, Zoom and Discord, maybe Skype was used a lot. A yeah. lot for just like business and meetings and conversations and events. I think if Clubhouse and Twitter Spaces would have came out, you know, earlier of last year, the amount of people who would have used it, I think... I think it would have definitely made a huge difference in a way that we interact on a lot of things. My concern is when we go back to what was like, like, lack of a better word, normal. Yeah. Um, you think they would still be just as popular and as widely used? Um, I I don't know. I, I really don't know right now. I think I think um, it came out when it needed to. Um, because there were so many tools that were available to us, we really started um, using them to see what they actually do during, you know, this crazy time, right? Whether that's your Discords or your Zoom. I don't remember caring that much about Zoom until we needed to care about it during that time. So they had to um, add additional infrastructure to their service, right? They had to make it uh, more user-friendly. Uh, Discord became way more user-friendly during the pandemic, right? So I think there's a lot of things that took place when they needed to take place for us to appreciate the apps that many of us have been using. But uh, the the common um, person that, I'll use this in context, the common person that only use Skype find uh, finally found a value in Discord once Discord became more user-friendly. I think there's a lot of things that needed to happen um, when they did during the pandemic for us to appreciate the, you know, the additional apps that people were kind of like, ah, that's just a gamer's app, but it became more than that, right? Discord became more than that, as an example. So I think that whether it's um, uh, Twitter Spaces or even uh, Clubhouse, I think this was uh, an app that gave us more of an opportunity to, to connect uh, on applications that we were already using for just uh, microblogging for the most part, right? Um, and I think that it added an additional layer to it so much so that, of course, Facebook is thinking about doing their own versions of it, right? Um, there's that as well. But I think that it needed to come out around this time. I think the timing was, was really good, um, even though there's some glitches in it. Uh, I don't know if we'd be able, if we'd be on it like that, you know, prior to that. But there's no way to like, look at that unless there's actual data for that that'd be hard that's why i'm very interested to see like yeah if the continued use is still there yeah did um i've still been lucky and i still have yet to have to use zoom a lot of discord but i've been um i think for a majority of like i guess the group meetings i've had to be a part of is um cisco uh webex webex yeah so yeah, like I, I remember there was an article that they had buffed up their security stuff for the Zoom. Like a lot of those applications were really tested during like the the heart of the pandemic. We we want to believe that we're at the tail end of it now at this point, right? Since most individuals are getting vaccines and stuff now, uh, Johnson & Johnson is on recall, right? From from what I gathered, right? Yeah. Um, but yeah, but yeah, I think the timing is what it has been. And I think that... Um, I want to make the best of it 
while it's here and share as much information as we can on those applications. Cause then now there's uh, those who listen to podcasts, those who watch the, the video stuff, whether it's YouTube or whatever. And now you have the, the clubhouse um, folks who are in there listening all day, all night, whatever. Uh, Twitter spaces will probably be there and the Facebook is going to have their own. People are going to resist it at first because it's Facebook. They're like, why should we trust anything that you do? So there's that. Um, but they're, they're going to be more lean. They're leaning a lot on Twitter spaces now because it's more accessible, right? And Clubhouse is only on the, um, iOS device, right? So, so yeah, I I think the timing is what it is. And I think, uh, we just have to make the best of it as creators, um, while we're using this stuff. Yeah. I, I'll take you up on the offer for some Twitter spaces. Yeah. Let's do some late nights. Late night sesh, some sessions, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Uh, so, yeah, so that's that. Um, so excited about those things. Uh, I'm going to go back to the top real quick. Uh, price for a game. Let's talk about that. Oh, man. Yeah, we got to talk about it. That is such a. We got to talk about it. Hold on. So let me. Oh, I actually want to. Right there. <laughs> I actually want to pull that up for a second. So let's. um. Uh, Days Gone director on skipped sequel. If you love a game, buy it at bleep full price. Okay. So I want to pull that up and I want us to spend some time there. I want to hear your thoughts on it as well. And um, that's going to be, that's going to be dope. So let's pull that up. Okay. Daniela. How are you? If I move this here, does it affect, does it still show on the screen? Is this, is this still sharing I see, it? I still, I see your desktop. You see my desktop now? That's not good. Uh, there you go. Let's go back out here then. Um. Okay. So let's, let's, um, hmm. Right, let's start here uh, with the scope. I do have an opinion on something that your audience might might find uh, of interest. So this guy was actually on David Jaffe's podcast or, or YouTube channel, right? Uh, David Jaffe, Twisted Metal. Um, what what was the recent game with the decisions? That that's David Jaffe's studio, right? With the decisions and uh, Androids. Oh, Detroit. Yeah. That's him, right? I don't think it is. I think it is. I think it is. Maybe. So, um, huh? Maybe. I don't know. <laughs> Maybe. I have to go double check now. I'm not even hundred percent sure. No, he did drawn yeah. to death. Drawn to death. I remember it. I was the the shooter. Twisted metal. Right. Nope. Not from him. Not from him. So who did who did um, Detroit Become Human? I thought it, I thought it was I thought it was those guys. Become human. Da, 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 da. David Cage, not Jaffe. David Cage, not Jaffe. At any rate, so we have this situation here. Okay. With David Jaffe, um, this uh, Garvin individual uh, was a writer 
uh, uh, let me see, director uh, John Garvin, strong feelings on the sequel, if if we're even get, getting a sequel. Um, Ga- Gavin uh, left developer Sony Bend around two years ago, and he's free to speak his mind on Jaffe's show. So I do have an opinion. So here's the quote. I do have an opinion uh, that your audience may find of interest. And it might um, uh, piss uh, some of them off. He admits, if you love a game, buy it at FN full price. Daniela, you go first. Yeah. Gaming is a luxury. Later on, it, it, he does state that it's expensive luxury, and it really is. It's not a necess- necessity in life. It isn't. So anytime that you buy a game, it's it's really a luxury item that you're getting yourself. Um, but you can't force people to buy a game at full price. If they're really super interested in your game and your marketing your trailers, if you put out a demo, really, really spark that interest and hype up for people to want to get it on day one, great. But it's like, days gone, I don't... Like, the trailer looked good, but then I, I don't remember anything else after I I saw the a first trailer. I might have seen a second trailer, but nothing of like, oh yeah, that, that game. I, I don't remember anybody really talking about it like oh i have to get this on day one or that looked really cool and i can't wait to play it there was there was no hype that i saw necessarily from consumers from gamers from anybody about this game so it's really hard for me to see like yeah that's something i want to get day one i don't want to miss out on it i want to be able to play it straight from the beginning it definitely came across as one of those games of where you know Hey, this looks cool. It's on sale for 30% off. Oh, look, it's going to be a part of PS Plus. I'll give it a try. Oh, I really like this game. And I don't even know if they had a demo that was available. And I think some games really do, especially ones that are really like a, the series is new to people. I think games like that should really offer a demo for people to really get an understanding, to really draw that interest, especially if your marketing is like really terrible and you're not really seeing, you know, uh, people really talking about it or creating content around it or really just being interested in it. I think demos really help games out that way, that way that people can know what they're getting into and decide, yeah, I want to spend the $60, $70 for this game or collector's edition that's coming out. And when he says it's going to piss people off, of course it is. Doesn't mean that the you know we think that the studio was terrible, but... Even if people are interested in a game and they're really hyped about it, it's a luxury item. We have things we have to pay for. We are, we, so many people lost their jobs last year or had their pay cut. So being able to dedicate $60, $70 to something is a really hard decision for people. And they got to really think about how they want to spend that extra money of theirs that they might have. And I feel if like people did buy it, even if it was on sale, can you really be mad at them? Like, is that really justified? I like even if it came out with like just having this the statement, and they came out with a sequel, I think I'd be less interested in buying it then. 
That's my opinion. Looking for the best VPN in the world? Your search is over. From the makers of Proton Mail comes Proton VPN, the best free VPN in the world. Proton VPN is Swiss based, has a no locks policy, offers the highest strength encryption, strong VPN protocols, and all apps are open source and audited. To try Proton VPN for free, visit andrew-alliance.com forward slash tools. Once again, that's andrew-alliance.com forward slash tools. All right. I am, um, I don't know. I don't know where I, how I want to address this. I posted some comments about early on Twitter, but, uh, the fact of the matter is, um, as you mentioned, everyone's situation is different, right? Yeah. And everyone, uh, when when it's time to buy a game, we decide if we want to save a little bit for it, if we want to put money down. You know, there are the GameStop days. If you still do that, you put five dollars down and you pay it off. You know, over time, if you want to do that, or pay the rest of it um, when the time comes uh, for uh, for the full price uh, when the game releases, right? I think for me. It's a little bit different, right? There's games that I love, but I didn't buy them at full price, right? Halo Master Chief Collection, I have it for Xbox. I I love the game, but I recently picked it up for uh, half price on Steam since I'm pretty much buying all my games on Steam now and the duplicates, I may just, you know, give them away and stuff like that. So that's what I've been doing uh, since I joined the uh, the PC you know, team, if you want to say that. Um, so most of the games that I buy, I don't normally buy them at full price. Um, I did buy Streets of Rage at full price. Um, I do plan to buy Titanfall and Titan Titanfall 2. I think it's marked down to like the 25th of April or something like that. I may pick that up. Um, I I specifically left uh, PlayStation and uh, and I was going to say PlayStation and Sony. I, I specifically left PlayStation and Xbox um, because there was a gate for me to play things online, which didn't make sense for me. Right, I have to pay a fee for me to play online, but I already have internet that I'm paying for. So to save money, I decided to leave the PlayStation, you know, system and the Xbox system that um, Xbox Live and that PlayStation Online, whatever the service is called, a PlayStation Plus or whatever, because it didn't make sense for me to to have a gate to use something I already had. So I'm I'm frugal in that way. So I don't have PS Plus and I don't have Xbox Live or, or Game Pass because I'd rather own the games uh, then play them on a service. So I'm I'm frugal in that way. So paying for a game that, like you said, the marketing was, to me, subpar. I'm not paying full price for that. I mean, if you look at the marketing for Streets of Rage or the marketing for for Turtles, uh, Shredder's Revenge that's coming out, uh, even even the, the small little things that we've seen for Ninja Gaiden that's coming out in June, um, and of course, you know, the ramp up that they're doing for Halo Infinite, 
with the recent sale of Master Chief Collection, these are the things that make people pay full price. Okay. Yep. It's a it's a combination of all those things, you know, whether it's a, a podcast that that gives you, you know, a story arc that fits into uh, the canon of this particular game that's coming out. It's not, hey, just pay sixty dollars um, when we launch the game. It's it's all of that. It's all of that. So why why am I rebuying um, you know, Halo? Because uh, one, I'm on PC now, and two, I could replay a lot of it until Halo Infinite comes out. So I'm part of the marketing train, whether I like it or not, right? So that's part of it, right? So I don't understand why. Okay, so so on the business side of things, which we're not really, but I guess if you pay full price for the game when it comes out, um, there may be a sequel if they make enough money from the first game, if they started writing a story for the second game, right? I'm just assuming if that's how that works, cool. But if the marketing was subpar and even when it came out for PC, nobody really bought it like that, then why would you think that there would be an opportunity for a second game for, for that? I don't know if, they, if there is. If there is, cool. But it doesn't feel like there is or there should be, right? Yeah. So I think it's all of that. I think it's all of that when it comes to um, if you love the game, buy it at full price. If you love the game, you will buy it for 30 years. Ask Nintendo. I mean, <laughs> you'll buy it. Ways can they sell the same game? <laughs> you'll buy it for 30 years. Okay. And you play it like you played it for the first time. Ask Nintendo. Okay. If anybody who's mastered marketing and a, a, a lead into a game that you'll continue to play, tease a game that may never come out, whether it's a Zelda that you've been waiting for, a remake of Ocarina of Time or whatever. Nintendo has mastered that. So it, it, it really depends on, you know, your effort, right? Yeah. Your effort of marketing the game and uh, having us invest into the journey. What was that game that you played with the lady that had the... um? What can I think of it right now? Um, the sound challenges and stuff Hellblade? like that. Um, yeah, Hellblade. We invested and there was a 20-person team. They gave us a mini documentary of how they were making the game. I'm sure a lot of people paid full price for that. It's it's the investment. Yeah, and the thing is, I don't think, I can't remember, but I don't think that was like a, the full price of a AAA title game either. Right, it was $39.99 or something like that. Yeah. Yeah, I get, um, if you can double check. I think it was $39.99 retail. The lowest, if if that's wrong, $29.99. I think that's the lowest. I don't remember it lower than that. Is this a, technically classified as an indie game? Right. It was like 40 bucks oh. or 30 bucks. I don't think indie games are really yeah. $60. So, yeah. So it's the it's the investment. We'll invest and we'll buy, right? And I think that goes that that not only goes for the game stuff, it goes for the hardware. I mean, people are spending, you know, hundreds of dollars on the fact that Michael Jackson used the SM7B and that mic is $400. So it's the story that's attached to the thing. And people are going to buy Halo over and over again because there's many books. Um, there's a lot of information attached to it. People are continue to buy Destiny. We, we'll complain about Destiny, but we'll continue buying into Destiny because there's a lot of books. There's a lot of lore. But we'll continue investing in Star Wars. There's a lot of books. There's a lot of lore. It's the story. 
It's not just the sixty dollars. It was thirty bucks. It was, and the thing is, um, with Hellblade, they didn't have like a big marketing budget either. Like even even the way when I introduced it to you, I just happened to see the trailer for it on Facebook of all places, and I was like, "Wow, this is a really great trailer that's got me really interested." I showed it to you. I had to play it. Like they made that trailer that good that it left a lasting impression on me that is like, I need to play this on day one. And I did, I played it day one and I finished it that day. And that is amazing for me considering it takes me forever to finish games. It is. So they did something right there that I was, I was there for it. And now like people fell in love with this game. And the thing is before, before I saw the trailer on Facebook, I didn't see really anybody really talking about it. I didn't see anybody really, you know, hyping it up because, you know, they they didn't, but they delivered a trailer that looked really great. And a few people got to, you know, play it. They showcased it and it just built up from there. And I really think it has to do with how well the trailer they met, they, they left to do with whatever their budget was to bring people in and indie indie studios don't have that triple a budget for marketing yeah so but so it's it's did, a lot of that did something right with what they were limited yeah like at. even even if it's a single player game if there's a great story attached to the team doing it or anything like that like even you look at other games like among us why what's what's going on there there's a lot of story and memories being built around it. You know, same thing for raids and, and destiny or, or raids and any other game that has, you know, division and stuff like that. It's the story that's attached to it. People will rebuy those games to, to continue doing memories with them. And if we can't have those experiences um, and know that those experiences are possible when we're getting, when, when we're leading into the marketing for when the game comes out, we're not paying full price for that. It's a bargain bin, man. I mean, mm-hmm. That's that's what it is. And to me, Days Gone is a bargain bin item that I might get at some point or never. It's going to be on um, this year's Black Friday list to buy a pickup for like 15 bucks. Yeah, I'll pick up Titanfall too. Not, you know, it's, it's, that's, 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 I can't even put them in the same category. I, I was, I was, no, I'm not even going to do it. Titanfall, the the issue with Titanfall, the first and the second, is that they're chosen release dates. Yeah, I'll say this. No, what I was going to do was going to be disgusting. So I just stopped, you know, before before I even went there. But I would buy Titanfall 2 at full price. I would I will never buy Days Gone at full price. That that's yeah, that that's that's better. What what I was going to do, it it was going to be bad, but I'll, I'll do that instead. We're good. The not nice Andrew over here. Yeah, we're good. We're good on that one. I, I think I think we're good. All right. So the other ones are quick hits. Um, I believe uh, Nvidia's GeForce Experience now optimizes applications. I definitely want to do a quick video for that. That's kind of cool. So basically, if you open your Nvidia uh, GeForce Experience uh, with a recent update you'll probably see your applications, whether that's your, your VLC application, your, um, let, let me see, what applications do I use here? Maybe Audacity might be in there. I don't think so. But I did see Affinity Designer next to my games. So I can optimize those applications 
within GeForce Experience. So if you have GeForce Experience and you have a lot of creative applications, open it up, update GeForce Experience, and you may be able to see those as well. Uh, thoughts on that? I haven't even looked at mine. Yeah. Yeah. So, so that's pretty neat. I, I do the update. I haven't even looked. I like I have GeForce Experience, obviously, but I yeah. have never like actually looked at other features other than downloading my latest drivers. Yeah. Yeah. So like when you open it up, I don't know if, if I should hear, but um, I, I made the Maybe just not. do a quick video. <laughs> um, so when I open that up now, I see a lot of my applications, including Affinity Designer and VLC, just to um, use those applications um, at their optimized state uh, with my current GPU, which is a, a GTX 1060 six gig, I think, something like that. I'm I'm, I'm still you know two gen two generations behind, right? Um, but um, everything still works. I still get things done. You can still create. Don't stop creating because you have old hardware. <laughs> you know you can still get things done. Uh, so that's that. Um, OBS is, is in there as well. That's the other thing I wanted to mention. So OBS does show up in GeForce Experience um, in the newest, uh, the latest update. So definitely check that out. Um, OBS now has the native support of NVIDIA's uh, broadcast, the NVIDIA uh, noise canceling. Um, if you want to call it plugin, I'll call it um, for, for the sake of this conversation. Um, I now have that um, in the noise um, section of OBS when you're installing the plugin, I do see the native um, because I I installed it and I do have a video on my YouTube channel for that uh, to install and video broadcast native to OBS. Uh, thoughts on that? That's a lot. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's um, it could be, it could be, um, but it, it's fun. I think. I think the fact that those tools, what do I want to say here? I think because uh, the fact that those tools are now available for my generation card, because I'm three generations back, I'm pretty happy about that because originally um, RTX voice is what they called it. Now yeah. NVIDIA broadcast is what they're calling it. It wasn't immediately available for my uh, 10X card. So I had to do a workaround to get it to work. And now they're opening it up to, everyone else because they realize the more that they have people, you know, using their stuff, the more people are going to be excited about buying their product. See, that's how it works. That's, that's just how it works. Right. So, um, so I did install that and it, it's working really great. And, um, it's, it's good to have those things. It makes production easier. It makes, um, you know, our audio sound really dope, you know, when we record audio through OBS and stuff like that. So I'm glad that we have those tools available to us. Um, I just did an update. Yeah, I see. I see the apps and everything now. I got my. So what do you have in there? Um, I have all my games, obviously. Then I have um, very interesting that it's in here. My Adobe stuff. So I have Illustrator, Lightroom. I know I have more. Yeah. In there, but those are the only two. I got OBS, Streamlabs, OBS, Twitch Studio. Yep. I forgot I had Twitch Studio installed on my computer. <laughs> But um, yeah, those are, those are the apps that I have available on mine. And apparently I have a new driver update. So I will touch that after the fact because wouldn't it be good to do now? That would be good. It would be good to do it right now. Uh, yeah, so that's kind of cool that, that they did that. Uh, uh, Zack Snyder's Army of the Dead. So I, I watched the trailer and I like okay. the trailer. Okay. Um, and funny enough, it was around three minutes, the same thing as Fast 9. 
Um, it did have some good action parts into it, but not like a lot, a lot. I kind of, I kind of find the entire story behind it to be very interesting. Okay. Because they're planning to do a Vegas heist. Right. In a zombie apocalypse. Right. Bro, do you really need the money that bad? If you can get it, sure. But those zombies are a little different, though. Yeah, they're smarter. That's the thing. Oh, my God. So even though I am like certain there's certain things where I'll always love anything having to do with with zombies. But there's a certain thing where I draw the line where you don't have to add zombies to everything to make a like like games games likes to throw in zombies or this zombie mode just because they think it's like oh it's cool i don't think every game needs that to be thrown into it but movies tv shows i am there which game shouldn't have it at this point in your opinion call of duty why do you have to go why do you have to go with that one <laughs> why why oh my heart my heart Taylor. why why don't you think call of duty uh why? Because it's it's a perfectly fine game on its own. Fine game for most people. It doesn't really need all of that stuff, you know? Yeah, so um, it's three it's three major components now, right? At this point, is the zombies component, the multiplayer component, which and then the uh the campaign. If they, if we were to like separate them, right? And then Warzone. Yeah. So four. Four, yeah. Warzone is in there. That's crazy. Yeah, okay. They, they got a all lot right. going on. You know, yeah. it's doing fine on its own. You don't have to add zombies to it. Yeah. Um, I mean, I can understand if it's added during like a holiday event, like a Halloween event. Okay, cool. But uh, this one I think is definitely very, very interesting. I I, I really enjoy the trailer. David Bautista, he's turning into one of my favorite actors right now. <laughs> he's really good. He's <laughs> really good. In there. Uh, the story I just think is really... I would watch that one for some reason. I don't want to watch really? Train to Busan. I don't want to watch... The new train to Busan, the second one. I don't. I don't know if I want to. If my heart can take that, but this one looks a little bit more like it, it doesn't look like a thriller as much as it is like a drama comedy type action drama comedy. It doesn't feel like um, Train to Busan. Train to Busan felt like a thriller, a drama thriller action, and I'm like, no, <laughs> I don't. I don't need that. Especially no, I, I can't. I can't do that. But this one looks a little bit more lighthearted. I, am I am I wrong on that? What do you think? Um, I guess you could say that because it's not like the doom and gloom of normal zombie movies. I mean, yeah. But I wouldn't say that I put it alongside of like Shaun of the Dead, which is like a comedy zombie movie. I wouldn't I wouldn't put that in the same thing okay. or, or say that it's as lighthearted as that. Okay. Um, I think zombies that grow to be smarter to work together is absolutely terrifying. So where would you put it? Would you put it between I Am Legend and The Walking Dead? Is The Walking Dead the 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 top tier for for stuff? What's I the I wouldn't consider The Walking Dead to be top tier for a bit. I think okay. It's not necessarily bad, but you know, I stopped watching The Walking Dead. I got really bored of it. I got the story was really hitting me. Um, I don't know what tier I would put it in. Definitely not within Resident Evil. I don't know what they have going on there. 
So I okay. wait till the reboot of that series to really, if I want to compare it to that. Um, so what's scary, scary these days? Oh, like, I have no clue. There's no, there's no horror movies that really scare me. I let's really see, but you've watched, were. you've watched so many. So you've been conditioned on what jump, jump scares look like when they're about to happen. So you, you're, you kind of like watch a lot to not really, you know what I mean? Yes. I so you're different. You yeah. I'm, I'm special. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I don't know where, what would be considered like a scary zombie. Or right. Like at this point, because of that. Um, but you know, when it comes to zombie movies and action and, and, and those, and then something very unique of this story of, you know, stealing money from Vegas casinos in the middle of all of these, like it, their team is small too. So that, that is, that is leading to a very interesting, um, movie for me to want to watch. It's also having like a, they're going to have a few series within it. There's like an animated portion that they, they have coming out and some prequel that they already have planned. So it's not like this is going to be a one-off. There's a, there's going to be more to it. So I think that's really cool. That's already in the pipelines and being worked on. Um, so yeah, I'm going to definitely watch this. I think it comes out May 21st. Looking forward okay. to it. Okay. I think, it, I think it's pretty awesome. It looks dope. It looks dope uh, for sure. So there's that. Um, I did see New York State just passed a law requiring ISPs to offer $15 broadband, I think also $20 broadband. So that should be interesting uh, for those in New York State. Um, I currently am paying somewhere between, what is it, uh, 50 and 60, I guess. I think something like that. That sounds about right. I used to have their their unit and we bought our own. Uh, for the cable modem. So we removed that $5 a month uh, charge that we're paying. Um, so both of the units that we have are ours, uh, the router and uh, the cable modem. So we try to save where we could there. But uh, $15 a month, I'm actually interested on what kind of speed that they would be offering um, for that, you know? Like if it's, because I have a 30 megabyte upload, which it's plenty for most of the devices that we have here. But uh, any lower than 15, I think it's crazy. What do you think? Um, 15, anything lower than 15, I would say no. Yeah, right? I I sit at like 25 myself and I wish I could have it at 50 mm -hmm. if I could. Um, but then we have a very gamer heavy, streamer heavy household, so... <laughs> Um, yeah, I think for I think for average users, average users, fifteen is more than enough. Yeah, it's, streamers, uh, I I wouldn't suggest anything below twenty. Yeah, I would not go below twenty. Um, but yeah, but I definitely want to look more into that. I think part of the article says uh, uh fifteen dollars a month for twenty five megabytes down is a heck of a lot better than paying fifty dollars a month for those same speeds, which. If it brings my cost down and I still get that says twenty five down, not up. But if it if it if it brings my cost down and I can still get twenty five to twenty nine upload, I would do it. Yeah, if you can get that for upload. So I was talking about my upload. My download is three hundred. Right, yeah, three hundred down, twenty five up. That's that's really good. Eh. I think because anything, if you're doing 50, 50, uh, 50 down, 50 up, I think is great. 25, um, 25, 25 thing is great. 
15, 15, I mean, you're, you're not streaming. You're not doing, you're, you're just surfing. You're just, that's plenty for that. Yeah. The average user. Yeah. But if you're not streaming, recording, you don't have like, you know, 15 devices, you know, across the entire home, you don't have, you know, uh, Google devices plugged into your TVs. You don't have a, a camera stuck to the wall of the front of your door. You don't have floodlights. You know what I mean? You don't have any of those things. Okay. 15, I 15. Specify the average user, if you have one to two people within your household. Okay. Because, because of those reasons. Now, if you okay. have kids, y'all have mobile devices and you're right. like, what, the average family household of what, but four people? Yeah, 15 down is not going to cut it. It's not going to cut it. Unless you have a super managing system that, that's managing those connections as soon as they come on and off. But if someone's streaming and you're, you're doing something here, someone's streaming in the living room, and then you have, yeah, it can get a little crazy. Yeah, because even in, in my household, we only have three people. But, but let's put it this way. So we're, we're terrible human beings in the sense where we do not focus on just one thing. And that's probably going to have some negative effects somewhere down. Like, I'm sure there's studies on it somewhere. So um, how many devices like, are in your house? I want to see now. Have, now I want to do it. I have a lot of devices, but my son can be streaming something right on, on his TV. He'll have music playing on his computer and he'll be on his phone. That's Would you say devices that's using Internet? So let's say three, six, nine for you guys. Three, six, nine. Let's say phone, phone, tablet, console. At one at any one time, yeah, I guess so. Yeah, so at least nine devices already, right? Three phones, yeah. three consoles, three tablets. Um, uh, no, not tablets. We don't. We don't. None of us have tablets. Okay. But PCs, three PCs. So three PCs, three phones, at least three consoles. So that's nine right there. And then do you have like Amazon devices? Yeah, of my of my Alexa, I have a Google 10, TV. We have 11, Fire Stick TV or 12, like, 13. Um, and then all of our RGB lights. Mm-hmm. We have four of them are on mm-hmm. our wireless network too. Okay, so you're like 15 plus at this point. So it, it, it's, oh, e- and then it's I easy. Got my, my wireless cameras. Right. Two of them right there. Okay. So you're like 18, 19 at this point. That's a lot. Yeah. It adds up really quick. So I think, I think you got me beat by a few. Um, I think I'm somewhere between 12 and 15 active, right? Uh, the server, the server, the PC, um, the phones, right? So that's five. Then you have tablets that are pretty active. Uh, laptops, pretty active. At least two L laptops, pretty active. You have uh, three TVs with uh, the... Why can't I think of, of the uh, the Google device behind the TVs? I can't even think of the name of the that. Chromecast? Thing yeah, Chromecast, right? Three of those. Uh, camera, a uh, video camera uh, on the house. Um, and then the consoles, at least three of them. And then things I'm probably forgetting right now. So I'm, so I'm between 
12 and probably under 15 that are active. I think you're, you're closer to 20. <laughs> yeah. It's a- so it, it's a lot. It adds up. So 15, 15 on 15 is, is wouldn't work for us. 25, 25 may work. You're 330, right? Yeah. For the most 325. part. 325. Right. I'm one. Yeah. I'm one, one fifteen. No, I'm one. Let's say 110 conservative. I'm 110, 25, which is okay. And it does what, what, what it needs to do. Um, so I'm, I'm happy about that. Uh, streaming is fine. No issues with, you know, OBS, no issues with uh, 1080p, 60 frames or anything like that. Uh, 720 does it in the breeze, no issues with that. Uh, so we're pretty good there. So yeah, so I think that's cool that they're doing that. Hopefully they introduce that to more states. I really want Google Fiber, really. But so um, do they don't, I don't, I don't know if it's going to show up here. And I hear Google Fiber service is really good. I've I heard nothing. to have Fiber at some point. It's yeah, not gonna be for a while. I'm I'm in the middle of nowhere, literally. Yeah, in so many cases, just on island and in the country. <laughs> I'm in the middle. Yeah, of I hear I hear nothing but good stuff about it too. Oh. Um, which is which is really dope. Uh, so there's that uh, new Avatar fan driven series coming up uh, YouTube this month. Um, thoughts on that? I have to go and look it up. <laughs> Okay. Is it Avatar the Aliens or Avatar the Last Airbender? Last Airbender. Okay. Okay. Are you are you happy about that? Um, if it's done well, yeah, of course. I mean, like Netflix is trying to do their own thing, and then you know the original creators like left Netflix because of creative things, and they're doing their own thing. Um, if they're done well. Either either way or whoever it is or even fan made ones and it adds on to the Avatar universe. Yes. Yes, please. Okay. Tell me all okay. the stories. Okay. Yeah, okay. I'm I'm good with it. I'm trying to get back into watching some some dope, you know, cartoons and stuff like that. Um anime. Have you ever watched oh. Avatar? I have, but it was a long time ago. And I Avatar is really good. I really enjoyed it. Um, so I'm, I'm going back to, you know, watching some, some dope stuff, you know, whatever's available right now on Netflix or or even Hulu. And sometimes I forget I have Hulu, um, because I don't use it as much for stuff. My wife does. So I, I I don't, but I need to, I heard that there's a turtles on there that I should be watching. That's, um, that's older, but it was done really well. And I like turtles. So I may have to visit that, but right now I want to finish, uh, invincible, uh, on prime which I'm really, really enjoying. And I recommend anybody, if you're listening, watching, if you haven't checked it out yet, definitely do. It's amazing. So uh, there's that. Uh, Square Enix. Not for sale. They, they've come out. <laughs> they've come out and said not for sale. If they were, who would you want to purchase them? <laughs> Fact or fiction? StreamYard is the easiest way to live stream on the internet. Fact. Whether you're streaming on YouTube, Twitch, Facebook, StreamYard is the best live streaming studio in your browser. Interview guests, share your screen, and much more. To try StreamYard for free, visit andrew-alliance.com forward slash tools. Once again, that's andrew-alliance.com forward slash tools. (laughs) 
That sounds kind of weird. Sounds kind of weird. Nobody. I wouldn't want Square Enix to be bought up by anybody. Why not? They're fine by themselves. Although their logging in system is absolutely ridiculous. And I thought about, I talked about that. <laughs> did before. you fix that? that was, yeah, I did. I apparently okay. I have four different accounts depending on like they're, they are literally the only place that I know that I have a, a, a membership with or a login or anything or profile with and where it is very, very specific on how you type in your email. Just to let you know, apparently I have four different case, accounts. Case sensitive and all that super case sensitive mm. oh my goodness that is ridiculous like i understand passwords being case sensitive but username and logins it's oh that was that drove me crazy i was like so nobody should buy them no but that's just because of the content that they make and the games that they make what if microsoft bought them would you feel some kind no. of way with that nope i wouldn't be okay nope no no nope. okay but All I've right. been a fan of Square Enix since it was Square Soft. So I I want them to just keep doing their thing and making the amazing games that they have and they hopefully continue to the end of time. But I cannot picture anybody really coming up with some price tag to be able to buy Square Enix. And you know what? Some of these mergers and buyouts that's happened over the last year has been for some ridiculous prices. Um, I don't understand how they come to that price. And I won't try to understand that. But I feel like if somebody was going to make a purchase offer to Square Enix, it would be a mind-boggling price that has not been seen. And that's how much faith I have into everything that Square Enix has done over these last several decades. Okay. That's fair. Well, we'll see. We'll see how it plays out, if there's any changes on that. Uh, Ubisoft Forward Digital Showcase confirmed for E3 week in June. And um, I'm I'm getting a little bit excited about uh, what we will see. Hopefully, it's not just demos that are leading into uh, games that are coming out in 2022. Thoughts on that? Of course, they're going to be for games that come out in 2022. <laughs> How, like, there'll probably be maybe, maybe of, of of everything to be announced, not just Ubisoft, but just okay. of everything that can possibly be announced during E3 week. Yeah. There might be maybe 10 games. Triple A title. I don't even think. 10 games announced. That, announced. that would be announced to be released in 2021. Everything else is going to have a 2022 or later date. Okay. Hopefully not a later date. And I hope they learn from like Dying Light to not announce a game so damn early. <laughs> okay. I'm trying to see if I understand what you're saying. Uh, 10 games will release this year that are playable. That huh? That, that will be, that will be announced at E3. Okay. But, game, but I don't feel like they would be new games. It, like there'd be games that were probably announced last year or the year before. Okay. At some point that they will bring back to start building up the marketing and the hype for it that will be released this year. That I believe. But any okay. new games to be announced, yeah, they're gonna have a 2022 date or later. Okay. It's gonna say summer of 2023. Do you think Halo <laughs> gets a gets another pushback, but still releases this year? Or do you think it releases in November? 
I don't know. They're struggling right now. It'd probably be smart to delay it again. You think so? On the 20th anniversary? I mean, that's a lot to be writing on it. I mean, if if they feel like they're comfortable with where their game is at and they're going to have the least amount of, you know, blowback on it. Yeah. Sure. Great. Because it'd be the perfect time and the smarter time to release it for their 20th. But if anything has been learned from Cyberpunk, you're better off just delaying it. It's true. It's true. Yeah. I mean, so many people bought into the hype that was I even me, even me, I bought into the hype that was cyberpunk. Um and it released and it came out even after three delays. It should have done three more delays. Just saying. <laughs> because Would you... it's really hard to be- rebuild that faith into um CD Project Red after this. I mean, yeah, they have a nice history with the Witcher series that they have. Yeah. And, you know, people because of that. And the thing is, Witcher series didn't have the smoothest um, launches either. But True. it was not anything on the level that Cyberpunk was. And people bought into the hype and the interest in it because, yeah, they had, what, seven years before, seven, eight years that they actually had a teaser trailer to when, um, you know, they actually launched it. Um, to to build up to that, to work on it, to they had a, like what is it, the night cities? They had all of this marketing, they had all this merch, they had all of this big buildup, and then people put so much faith into them because wow, this studio is going all out. They're doing all this stuff. Witcher is awesome. They have Keanu Reeves. They have all of these uh, uh, music artists. They did all of this stuff. They launch it. And you lied to us. What is this? You know? So they have to rebuild that. And you're kind of coming at something kind of similar when it comes to the Halo series. Is that a series that I I like? No, not necessarily. Not even one that I've played. But you have a long history of fans, of fan fiction, of stories, of, of people who have dedicated so much of their life to this series and have become such a huge fan. So when you want to come out with something so big, yeah, especially on the 20th anniversary there. And then you flop. That hurts. Yeah, they already have your money for the fans who went into it. But those fans are going to be angry. And you got to really balance out what is the quality of your game. Like if you have a few bugs, are they game killing bugs that would ruin the fans that you have built up? So there, there's a lot to be putting into that. And yeah. for me, for me, I know that's a hard decision. There's a whole lot more people that's involved in that decision to delay it or to not. Money-wise, of course, they want to release it on the 20th anniversary. They want to, they want to come up with this. But as, as a fan and as a person who's, who's really thinking about it and really considerate about what my fans feel like, I would delay it. I would want to give them that grade A experience to fall even more in love with the series rather than 
Here is a 80% game that's finished. We still got a couple things. We're going to have a giant 10 gig day one patch for you. But here it is. And you're going to continue receiving patches for it for the next three, four months. So it's where it should have been. It's a lot, it's a lot to consider and to put in. Yeah, it's it's make or break uh, for this um, for this team. Especially, we've been waiting for Halo for a long time, and we we kind of have a, a placeholder right now with you know Master Chief Collection that has been cleaned up really really well. You know, the multiplayer component works fantastic. Uh, I've jumped into one or two games, uh, and it's it's great. It's great, and it looks even better on PC, but. It's, 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 it's just beautiful, but, um, yeah, this is make a break for, for them. And, um, yeah, I'm, I moved that to the bottom. So I, I want to talk about that before we uh, close out. Um, uh, Netflix is making a live action, uh, Gundam movie, some quick hits there. Uh, Ubisoft is launching a new online channel in the UK with original talk show, comedy and documentary series. Uh, thoughts on those things. Um, more so on the Netflix standard movie. There hasn't anything about the story that they're going with or if it's going to be a new or what, but they have a lot of content that they can choose from for the Gundams. So I'm really stoked on that one. Yeah, that's that's going to be dope. Uh, so the, the UK original series, um, we have uh, one person in there that um, uh, we've uh, had on the show, Frankie. Uh, she's pretty dope. She's hosted the PC gaming show and I think she's going to be part of that project as well. So it's going to be cool to see her do her thing on there. Um, Epic game launches early access to meta human creator tool to make realistic animated people. That looks amazing. Uh, Danielle, thoughts on that? I think that's great. That's going to be available for those, especially looking to, I guess, jump into the gaming industry. Um, in a different perspective of, you know, creating, being a developer. I, I think if you're really smart and really creative, you can use this tool to make a really nice portfolio, I guess. Or, you know, incorporate into the game that you're you're designing. I'm not I'm not that smart of a person, so I don't know. <laughs> it, it sounds like it'd be really easy to do. Yeah. But um, maybe not easy to me. Yeah, I wouldn't be surprised if they um if we see shows coming out of this, like actual podcasts, talking heads, like oh my uh, Code Miko does with her, her Twitch stream. Yeah. So you have the VTubers who do that, who design their own animated things. Yeah. Um, this would be a whole new level of doing yep. that. Be crazy. I wouldn't be surprised if we start seeing stuff like that coming from that camp. Um, but that'd be really, really cool. Uh, last but not least, um, imposter syndrome i want to talk a little bit about that before we get out of here um so for those who are not familiar with that syndrome i'll give a brief uh definition and then we can talk about it a little bit we can talk about it a little bit. So let me pull this over here uh is a psychological pattern in which an individual doubts their skills their talents or accomplishments and has a persistent internalized fear of being exposed as a fraud. Daniela, 
Why is it you... like that? Uh, oh. <laughs> what? <laughs> what I do? What I do? The way what that you just like turned it over to me and Daniela. Well, I don't want to go first. It's kind of weird. I shouldn't be going first in none of these topics. I don't know we go back and forth, but I mean, for most, you know, kind of, you know, I said, what are your thoughts on this? And I'll get my thoughts. Oh, that I've talked about this numerous times. And that was like the issue of why I haven't really streamed or done much is because of imposter syndrome is just that feeling of not feeling, you know, when you, you kind of compare yourself to the people that are within your, your level and what they're doing and the success that they're having. And then wondering like, well, I don't fit into this. Where do I belong? And I go through that on a daily basis. Daily basis. Yeah, of course. And it's been like this for like, I don't know, two, three. Actually, no. Since I started streaming. There you go. So like nine years. Nine years. So so I guess the reason I wanted to talk about it, because I, I go through it too. Um, but I, I'm trying to figure out when does it go away? Does it go away when we're actually doing stuff? Or is it when we're idle? That's really why I want to talk about it. Because I know to some degree we struggle with it at times, right? But when is it not so prevalent in front of our faces, if you will? Is it when we're actually in the mode of doing stuff? I don't That's why I wanted to... My, my thoughts and my feelings about it ever really go away. Because it's not even just within like this content creator corner of the world. Okay. Even when my primary job, even when I'm working, I feel that way. Okay. I I'm I'm the lead of my department, and which I should feel good. About. Well, I do feel good about it because I am the lead. But at the same time, I'm, I'm always thinking, is like, do I deserve that? Like, I have team members who work under me who are incredibly brilliant and um, hardworking and really intuitive on things, and sometimes they're faster to catch something than I am. And it makes me feel like you are better suited for this job than I am. But I've been here longer. So why? Is that true, though? In some cases, yeah. But that doesn't mean that you can't be a lead because sometimes the lead will find a component that they they do not possess themselves to create a, a dope team. And the team sometimes decides who the lead is, even though they may not feel fully qualified. It's weird. But that happens. Well, my team did not choose who this is. Like, I feel like at the time that I was offered my lead position, which was like 12, 11 or 12 years ago now. Okay. I've been that. Um, if I'm going to be honest with myself, it was given to me because at that time, the people who had seniority over me wasn't willing to want to learn the new stuff that was being brought on like any of the new upgrades they just they just didn't want to okay i don't know why and that was an option to them and okay. i was new i was new and i picked it up because i was the bottom of the totem pole so i kind of have to do what i'm told i picked it up i did it i happened to be okay with it so like oh you took you know initiative to go and do this i'm like i didn't take necessarily initiative i did it because i wanted to keep my job <laughs> and the okay. people of seniority told me to go and do it that's why i did it um but now since then 
like those um those senior um co-workers of mine not senior citizens they just have seniority um they retired or left and now the people within my team that work under me um or with me uh they're around the same age as me and they are very quick and very like they have those leadership skills to delegate to pick up to learn these things and i don't think like if if it was to be taken from me and reevaluated, I don't feel confident enough that I would get it back. And that's where I'm at. Like, I just don't feel like I deserve this because there's people who are better at this than I am. Mm. So when I think about it in content creators and I think of others and people like there's like times where I just don't feel like I deserve that space. Like there's other people that deserve this space because they're putting in more work and more time and are much better at it than I am. So I will pass, I will pass on opportunities and like, um, I don't think I'm the good person in the choice for this, but here's this person who I think is fantastic. going to be the better option for you. Right. But our lead is perfect though. I'm just talking about not just leadership. I'm just talking about content creators. Right. Well, yeah, I guess going back to what you were saying with, uh, you know, being, being a lead and, and sometimes feeling like you don't have um, all the pieces you feel that you should have to be the leader. And if it was to be reevaluated, you don't think that you would qualify. I don't know if I'm fully on board with that you know, based on what I've been able to see, you know, from you and in a short time that we've known each other, but, um, are leaders perfect? I just wanted to see, you know, how you would answer that. No leaders are perfect. Even my awesome supervisor is not perfect. And she knows that I know that we all have imperfections. Nobody and nothing is perfect. Do you think that those imperfections would keep you from being a leader? Or if you were to be reevaluated? Leader, leader, like there's a difference between being a leader and a lead. I know that. I know that. As far as me and talking about my work. So just because I'm the lead, I'm not necessarily the leader. Understood. Understood. I'm misunderstanding how you're putting that. Yeah, I guess I just wanted to um, think about that a little bit. So, so you're the lead and you were giving that, you were given that position at the place that you work at. Um, you don't feel like it came by, uh, full qualifications based on the circumstances and what led to you being the lead. Yeah. Right. Um, so you're, you are delegating uh, to the individuals that are working, um, in your department that you're heading right now. Yes. Yeah. Right. So you're the lead for that department. Um, do you think that there uh, at there are times where um, even in the workspace that people would see their lead or managers as a leader? No. Okay. No, because the way that we we work and manage is that there's always going to be there, there's smaller projects within the bigger projects, and everybody is in charge and in lead of that specific project. Okay. 
the only thing that I'm better at that qualifies me for possibly this position is I have the ability to tell people no. Okay. The rest of my team will say yes to everything. And that's not necessarily bad, but then you're stretched thin and you're telling all of these people who are wanting these different things like, yeah, I can do that. Yeah, I can do that. Next thing you know, you have 20 things that you said yes, that yes to that you got to work on. And I have the ability to be like, no, my team already has a lot of stuff on their plate. They need to do this first and you're going to be okay with it. The rest can't really do that. That's the only thing that I am possibly better at. But do we consider like, does do my coworkers consider me to be better than them because I'm the lead or leader? No. Okay. Because when they want to say no, but they feel that they can't, the first thing they do is come to me and be like, please tell them no. Like they know what they want to do and I, I expect them and everybody knows what they need to do. I'm just lead by name because if there's something wrong, I'm the very first person that is going to be, they're going to go to, to be like, hey, there's this is wrong. I need to fix now. And the fact that okay. I have to go down to somebody else to be like, I don't know. Please fix this. I could even tell them where to start. And the next person I give it down to, which is my right hand man, I'm like, you're smart. You do it. <laughs> okay. Uh, so getting back to the consecration piece that you were mentioning before. So how do you feel that you are um, coping with uh, the bouts of um, imposter syndrome? Like, I'm Far not good enough. Than I am on my personal life. <laughs> Fuck yeah. Far worse. I'm not coping with it well as all because if you notice, like I'll stream once a week and I'll be okay during that stream and then I'll just feel terrible. And it doesn't it doesn't go away because even as I'm streaming, I'm just like in my head, I'm thinking, like I I appreciate everybody who's taking the time to come by and check them out and hang out with me and lurk with me. But I'm I'm also thinking of like all these other content creators that I watch or I enjoy. I'm like, they offer like so much more. I could be doing more. Am I being asked to do more? No. Hmm. But I, in my head, I'm just doing these mental gymnastics of like, I could do more if these people, these other people are able to do it. I should be able to as well offer something more, something more of value and entertainment for people. Well, um, and I'm the value, them. but the value is they're hanging out with you. That's the value for me. Well, I mean, they decided that, well, yeah, that could be the value for them. Like they like you so much that they get, they, they get good vibes and the fact that you're on, they can hang out with you and, you know, there's those things going through my head too. It doesn't take away the fact of feeling of an imposter syndrome of like, they're absolutely on the same level of all these other people, especially for streaming for nine years. Yeah, yeah. And it's not to say that, like, you know, being partner has always been the goal, but there's other opportunities that could have been had. And the fact is, is that I hold myself back because I don't have, like, I don't, I'm not as skilled, as well-skilled as some people who have built that up. I don't have as much of that free time. So, like, 
I can try and can put that in. It takes me longer to learn these things, but I'm not on the same level. I'm not where I probably should be in some non-linear scale of somebody who's been streaming for nine years. So I try to do it. I stress myself out. I exhaust myself, which gives myself a break. And then I fall back even more. And then it's another, you know, vicious cycle of me feeling mm. and I'm further behind than I should be. Mm. It doesn't stop. For me, it doesn't stop. It doesn't stop whether I'm not doing it or if I'm in the moment. Okay. Very interesting. Do you do you consider yourself um in the nine years that you've been streaming that you're pretty experienced in that that field? At this point, no. Not where I should be, no. That's interesting. Because if I felt that way, I wouldn't feel I was so inadequate, which imposter syndrome can also lead towards depression and stress and anxiety, which is something yeah. that has built and accumulated within myself for over the last like year and a half, two years. And that has nothing to do with the pandemic. That was like happening even before that. So do you think that um, the more you do it, the the easier the easier it would be for you to not be so anxious about it anymore? Do you think it's a it's a time constraint thing at this point? Based on some of the things that you shared? It's somewhat of a time constraint thing, but it's more of me holding back and not utilizing my time in the way it probably should be. Because from where when I started streaming, I was streaming like four or five days a week, 8 p.m. to like 11 p.m. my local time. Was that during the my, Dance Dance um, years? Yeah, or that was, like, okay. that was at the beginning for Dance Central. Um, and that was like 2011. Yeah, 2011. So 10 years. Somewhere around there. 10 years yeah. of streaming. Um, and I did that for six years. No, when I originally started streaming. So for originally started streaming, I only streamed like once a month because I didn't really care to stream really that much or that often. I did it for charity. So the first two years, the five years after that, I had that same exact schedule. My hmm. schedule hasn't necessarily changed that I cannot meet that same time of 8 p.m. there. It's just more of now I do these mental gymnastics with myself to convince myself that I can do it. And then, then by the time I do, it is like 10 o'clock at night and I've filled up with my time of trying to to not psych myself out of it and convince myself that it's perfectly fine. So the time is there. You just talk yourself out of it yeah it's not necessarily talking myself about it i'm arguing with myself literally like you're perfectly fine it's okay like but is it really because i could be doing this or i could be focusing on that mm. again but streaming was never really necessarily that important to me either like i like doing it i enjoy it but i am not looking to stream like i feel like most of the people that i see streaming now 
are just trying really hard to make a quick buck out of it and you know be the next big thing that's found and is really super cringy about it that's Mm. not what i want so it's even worse for me to think that i am i can't convince myself to do it because i just want to chill and relax and play some games and hang out with people who just you know either they talk or they don't talk or they're just chilling and relaxing too so i have less of a stress of a reason to stream but i stream less because (laughs) I'm stressed out about it because there's a certain level where I do want some kind of recognition to it. I don't necessarily want it to be, you know, I don't necessarily want it to be of some like e-celebrity level, but it's more of to be recognized. Because I don't want it. You don't. Okay. Okay. (laughs) That's kind of it. It's more of I would like to be recognized as someone we're talking to within my peers. And the more I do this, the more I realized I'm not of that caliber for certain circles to have a conversation with me. And I think that bothers me the most. Mm. Is that there's a lot of clicks and... At first, it was perfectly fine because it's like, well, if you don't want to talk to me, then you're not worth me wanting to, you know, be a part of in their circle. And that was okay in the beginning because there weren't that many people and they weren't so interconnected. Now, some people are almost like gatekeepers, like there's somebody I want to meet, but somehow you're tied to this person and... Like somehow you're preventing me from being able to have conversations with this person because you're so close with them that I can't even get that opportunity. Okay. Do you think that um, with the introduction of Twitter spaces that this will give you an opportunity to share your thoughts out there on platforms that are opening up uh, for new spaces whenever someone uh, you know activates that open forum to to speak do you think that you would consider making that step so you can start being more vocal about your your ideals and your thoughts and and things of that nature i can get past my mental gymnastics i put myself through Mm. okay this is a very touchy subject for me talking about Okay. Do you want to stop? Maybe. <laughs> if you say stop, I'll, I'll I'll stop. I'll move on. No, we can go on. There's more that you want added on to that. Need to boost your YouTube channel? Look no further than TubeBuddy. TubeBuddy is the number one rated YouTube video optimization and management tool on the planet. Search for keywords, optimize using SEO Studio, and use Click Magnet, a suite of tools designed to help you determine the type of content your audience craves. To try TubeBuddy for free, visit andrew-alliance.com forward slash tools. Once again, that's andrew-alliance.com forward slash tools. No, because I I, I want to be fair. I want to be fair to you, and and, and not uh, not probe if I don't have to. So if you if you want to stop, we can stop. No, 
if you have questions about it. I mean, it's just a very intense feeling to have. It is. I think that. Um, so I think I think for me, it, it's more so um, I need to prove. To individuals that have grown. I think that's the form it takes for me because I think, uh, and, and we've talked about this in the past as well, that um, there are individuals who still doubt uh, my capabilities uh, in terms of, you know, intellectual or even, you know, um, the uh, the hands-on stuff, whether you want to talk about consecration, different things like that. But I think intellectually, that's been a challenge for me for, for some time um, because people are, who are familiar with you doubt your abilities and what you say that you can do. But yet um, they don't want to acknowledge what you've done or how far you've come, but they'd be the first one to ask for your help and behind the scenes. That that's, that's my thing. I think now what's happening um, with the introduction of Twitter spaces is giving me um, the space, if you will, and the opportunity to uh, jump on those platforms and be challenged intellectually and they'll know that, you know, I kind of know what I'm talking about. Right. So I think, I think that's what it is for me. It's, it's more like a, um, you know, it goes back to the underdog thing. Right. And I think that for me, it, it seems like the, the imposter syndrome stuff goes away when there's tangible things that you can see that I've done. Right. Or tangible, see tangible things that you've seen that I've edited or, uh, you know, tangible things that you've seen that I've been a part of. Right. So that kind of like tames that monster for a while. So, and that, that happens weekly at this point because we're either recording weekly, I'm editing something weekly, or I'm trying to do something tangible that I could present, be like, Hey, you know, this is, this is the new thing. And more people are recognizing that, um, and you, you could do that in different ways, right? You know, podcasts or clips or different things like that. But more people are, are recognizing that. Well, why haven't we heard this guy before? And there's a lot there that we're interested in. So I think it's a combination of those things for me. And I think that um, these uh, opportunities to to be more vocal, I think, have been good. And um, sometimes it's late into the hours of the night it happens uh whether that's a, a twitch stream or something like that but sometimes it's been during the day right because with with the twitter spaces that's making it a little bit easier to have conversations um especially when the topic is not just about video games you know social uh, society and culture and different things like that i could really have a good time with um psychoanalysis stuff psychology stuff i really can have a good time with and, and stuff like that so it's a combination there, of those things. There is something that has actually been, I guess, kind of not really brought to my attention, but I'm seeing more a lot lately, at least in the last like six months that really got me thinking about how I feel and internalize a lot of these things and these like working through it. Um, I don't I don't have the exact thing. I can't I couldn't find it. But it it brought up the the subject about kids who grew up as gifted students. Um when I was going to school, elementary to, well, even into the end of, of high, high school. But um, 
when I was living in California, they had this program that I, I guess I got placed in because it fit me. Um, it was in California at that time or Southern California, or at least the school district that I was going to, it was called GATE, which is Gifted and Talented Education. And it's for really students who excelled past where, you know, their peers were. And I was put into it. And it gives you this sense of like, wow, you're, you know, a special student because you do so well at these things and get all this recognition. And things really came to me really easily. And like people acknowledged that and made me actually work a lot harder because in some cases, there's classes I didn't have to take. Like high school, I had, I think, I think the standard is like four years, four credits of, of science in high school that you have to go through to be able to graduate. I only had to take one year. Um, history. I didn't take any history classes. I didn't have to because, well, you're such a gifted student. We're going to give you these other classes, which they were harder classes. And I excelled in those and it felt great because I got all this recognition. So now as an adult, like the way that your brain starts to mature, um, you can't keep up with that, you know, that that scale there of being really great in things. So you start kind of evening out and falling in line where everybody else is. And I never really thought about it that way. And I think just removing that. I'm not, I know I'm not a terrible human being. I know I'm not bad at my job. I'm really great at my job. I know that. I know I'm not a terrible streamer. Um, but to have things now where I'm, you know, I'm just kind of okay at it. I'm, I don't excel at something. That, that bothers me. And so like, what was something that I was just naturally good at? I'm not <laughs> like, I don't pick up things as quickly as I did before. And certain things don't come as naturally to me as before. And I don't get that kind of recognition because they came so easily and naturally to me now. It's like, okay, so I'm not really that good as I thought I was. Because I don't have anybody to say, like, you're doing a great job or <laughs> to feel that at all. Like, OK, well, now what am I? And I'm stressed out because you're trying. I'm trying. I noticed that I was trying to maintain that. Which means I was working harder than I should be. But now I do have to work harder to maintain where I was. And I'm exhausted. I'm stressed out. And it just, it's just depressing. Mm. And like, so, yeah, that was brought up because there's a lot of, there's a lot of adults that have that same feeling to, okay. to be considered this gifted child, talented child. And now, you know, that doesn't carry on into adulthood. <laughs> so it's kind of weird because I don't think, I don't think that I was in that gate. Um, but I got better at a lot of things later. So whether it's, um, 
holding a conversation in any group, any demographic, no issues. I think that's part of my gift, uh, whether to see a conversation, how it's going to, to pivot ahead of time before the person sees it and stuff like that. I got all that later, but I got those things through incrementally working on them over time where a gifted person may have it right away. I had to work at it over time. So I think my, my abilities at, um, you know, either carrying on a conversation or talking to somebody for the first time and they feel like they know me or I know them or vice versa, that came through incremental progress over years, right? Which it seems like, you know, it's a natural thing for me now, but um, call it a gifting or, you know, hard work over time, whatever, but it's something that I'm really good at. I know that. And people are learning that now when they hear me you know, speak or present or whatever the case might be. But that came over time that, um, you know, I remember going into the trailer of the ESL trailer, English as a second language to learn how words were put together and all that stuff. I remember as I, I share with you watching a lot of sitcoms earlier in the eighties, nineties, uh, to understand how humans, you know, had conversations, even along with the soap operas, the good ones and how humans interacted with each other. Right. So for me, that came over over time, right? So so my thing is, um, is there room um, in your in your situation to say, hey, that's okay. That things can come over time to perfect them over time. So no, I get what you're saying because that's kind of what I I see too. Is that the ones that weren't labeled as gifted? Um, students or children like my peers they excel they excelled because they i feel like they didn't have that much pressure that was put onto them that they could just gradually excel at something and work on something without that added on to them um whereas for me to have to fall back and it's i feel like it also makes me feel terrible because it's kind of like saying like now i'm falling back with once my peers like they're not they're not terrible people they're not less than people now i don't feel smart you i'm <laughs> catching up to all the dumb people <laughs> i know that's not what you mean so i, I had to but lighten it up a little no, bit no they, they 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 are and like we're just all balancing out and i'm just finally just seeing seeing that like where something came so easily and i didn't have to work as hard and now i do Whereas everybody else, they just naturally kind of did that. That's something normal to them. They wanted to be mm. good at it. You know, they worked out, they worked at it and they got there and they're proud of it. Now it's kind of like, this isn't easy for me anymore. Why do I have to work so hard? And it's, it's a very selfish thing to be thinking because that's ridiculous. Everybody's got to work hard for, you know, where they want to get to and what they want to accomplish and where they want to be at. Um, it, it's, it's it's weird because for so long and you know growing up um even even when i was going to college i tested out of several things so i didn't have to take certain classes because me being the person that i was i'm like i what is this syllabus i know how to do all this i'll show you and i would get it done in an afternoon and show it and they're like okay that's fine here's your credit for it you don't have to take it take the next one because I didn't want to be in college that long. <laughs> I wanted to like, let's cut this time in half. Yeah. 
um, to be, I guess, placed in like a separate group from people. And now I don't get to be a part of that group. It's very elitist, but it's, it's something that for me to work through that I never really thought of before. I never really saw. And I really started thinking about this when I was brought up that, you know, that, you know, these kids growing up and studies show the kids that were lifted, gifted and these talented students um, and being separated because that was a big thing about our gay program is that we were separated from all of our peers. Like we were a small group, but when, you know, certain things during class, like if we were doing English, um, I did not have an English class until I was like, I want to like a, a normal English class that I didn't have to be removed from or have to leave was probably hmm. not until 11th grade. Like I had an AP English class, but it was also substituted with me teaching English to ESL students. So like your credit that you're getting this year is you teaching ESL students because you're so good at this. And here's some AP English, you know? Um, and, and in a way that made me feel great because I'm like, oh, okay. So I'm just, a, I'm just a little bit better and I can, I can help somebody else, you know, that felt good that I like, because my school system thought I was good enough that I can step in and help another student. Like there was something in that, that, that felt good. And I never really thought about it until, you know, this, this was brought up and it makes me feel even worse. Mm. about like so many other things and I'm like now I, I'm not of that level like where do I fit in and I think that's another thing of just fitting in like I said like I want some sort of recognition from a certain group of people or type of people that I don't get and it just feels like okay before I used to be cool with you and now I'm not oh that's because I don't put out as much work or of quality of work as you do. So I don't deserve to be here. <laughs> so I also um, maybe evaluating those associations and, and stuff, because I think that um, equating um, performance to, um, I guess, being connected to certain crowds, I think, what do you think about that? Like, is it, is it okay to, to, to think about it in, 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 in those terms? I'm still working my way through that. Okay. Okay. I feel like it's a lot for me to, to try to work through, to try to understand, to try to get through. I think there's a point where you stop feeling that. But you have to work through it to get through it. So, how are you working through it? Do you do you have anybody you talk to about about that? Or I don't actually want to talk to anybody about it. <laughs> okay. It's not like I, I I'm not at that point. For me, I am not necessarily feel like I'm at that point where I want to have open regular conversations about it because it's something that I don't understand yet. 
which can which I understand can also be like a negative impact because it's usually easier to talk to somebody about it to work through it to understand and having another perspective. Um, I'm just not at that point where I'm ready to do so. Okay. Do you want to end it there? You could. Okay. All right. So this is going to be episode, I believe, 583. Um, thank you guys for listening. Thank you for your support. We really do appreciate it. You can find Miss DJM at Miss DJM on twitch.tv and also Twitter. Uh, you can find her Miss DJM as well. You can find me on Twitter and, um, well, this is Twitter right now. Uriah, U-R-I-Y-Y-A. And soon, soon we're going to be testing out uh, Twitter spaces, um, hopefully, with yep. uh, Miss DJM. And uh, guys, thank you for watching. Thank you for listening. And until next time, take care. Bye.